Hey, Cornerstone family, it's March the 25th, and it's Friday. You made it to Friday, and we are just about a week away from ending our Read by Easter campaign. I'm hearing from a lot of folks who are keeping up with us reading the New Testament, several folks in our church family who are reading the entire Bible. I'm so proud of you for hanging with us. A lot of our teens reading through the Gospels, our kids reading through uh, their reading for Read by Easter, and I'm just super excited as we start this last week of the journey together, and we're going to be reading all of us uh, over the next week, we're going to be reading the passion story in the gospel of Matthew as Jesus heads toward the cross and the the empty tomb. And so uh, we're just uh, looking forward to Palm Sunday. This Sunday, you will not want to miss a reminder that this Sunday after each service, after the nine o'clock service and the 11 o'clock service, there'll be an Easter egg hunt and kids will need to be in the service in order to be a part of that Easter egg hunt. And it's not because we're being mean and trying to force kids into church. It's just simply because we have health screenings in place and we will not have time right after service with a, a push of kids uh, to health screen everyone. And so it's really just to keep everybody safe, our volunteers and your kids. Uh, so come bring them for service and hang out for just a few minutes. It'll take about 10 minutes after each service and we'll have the egg hunt and uh, just be a great day. So looking forward to that. And then next weekend is Easter Resurrection Sunday. I've got a great message prepared. We've got some incredible worship coming your way for Easter Sunday. Uh, and I, I just, I can't wait uh, to worship with my, my church family on Easter Sunday. Among the things that COVID sort of robbed from us last year, the two things that I, I really missed I think the most were Easter and Mother's Day. And so I'm, I'm really looking forward to those two days as we just celebrate together and worship together. And so it's going to be a big day and we're looking forward to it. Uh, don't forget, you can always create your own socially distanced section. When you come in, just grab some of those red papers and you can put them on as many seats around you as you would like and create kind of a bubble. So if you're concerned about social distancing, uh, you can come in to door C and that's our socially distanced entrance. There'll be papers there and you can make a spot there in that north section or really anywhere in the room. You can create your own socially distanced section. Well, today I want to uh, read a passage of scripture from Matthew chapter 16. Um, it's a passage that takes place in Caesarea Philippi. And uh, I want to read to you verses uh, 13 through 20 um, here just real quickly, if I can. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Then he sternly warned the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Very powerful and interesting passage of scripture, but I want to contrast this moment uh, with Jesus and his disciples with a number of other world religions. Tibetan Buddhists believe in the transmission of the soul when someone dies. They believe that your soul just goes immediately into a different body, the body of a child born at that exact same instant, and that your soul is essentially reincarnated into that new being uh, each time, and your spirit is planted really in that 
that new person that's born at the same time that you die. And uh, this belief, it might be strange to us in Western culture, but it becomes vitally important when it comes to the Dalai Lama. Because when the Dalai Lama dies, a search begins for a baby boy born at the exact moment when the Dalai Lama died. And when they find that baby boy who is born at the exact same moment that the Dalai Lama dies, they take that boy um, away and they raise him up as the new leader. He's raised by monks to be the new Dalai Lama. So from the time that he's born, it is decided he is the Dalai Lama. From the moment that he's old enough, he understands he's the new Dalai Lama. And this sounds so very strange to our Western cultural ears because we prize our, our right to choose our own path, right? To choose what we're going to do for a living. And uh, even, even hereditary monarchs can abdicate. There's been, there's been British monarchs who've come to the throne and said, no, nah, I don't really want to do this. And they abdicate to another member of their family. But the Dalai Lama has no choice from the t- moment he's born. There's no question who he is. But in Judaism, it was it was very different. They were waiting for someone too. The Jews of Jesus' day were, were believing that God was going to send a Mashak, an anointed king, a Messiah, literally the anointed one. And that Messiah would lead the movement that would spearhead the liberation of Israel, the liberation from oppression and bring justice to Israel's enemies and peace to the world uh, uh, at once and for all. And uh, nobody knew when this Mashak, this Messiah would be born. But they believed that this person would be a descendant of, of King David. And there'd been many promises in the Old Testament about this Messiah. Um, but what would the Messiah be like? How would people know when the Messiah had arrived? Nobody really knew exactly, but there were a lot of theories. But the reality as we read the Gospels is that most of the disciples believed that when the Messiah came, he was going to be a conquering king. He was going to jump on a a white horse and grab a sword and take over and take the fight to the Roman Empire and take the fight to the powers that be so that he could liberate Israel. But in this moment, in Matthew chapter 16, there seems to be this sort of stirring amongst the disciples when they start to get it. They start to understand that maybe, maybe Jesus is that promised one, that anointed one. And in this moment here at Caesarea Philippi, which those of you that were with us in Israel a couple of years ago know that Caesarea Philippi is way far north in Israel. Um, it's, it's, it's well outside of the, the, the ancient territory of Herod Antipas. It was two days walk from the Sea of Galilee. It's a good hour drive from the Sea of Galilee even today. And, uh, and here outside of that influence in this private place where it wouldn't get overheard, not in a city setting, but in a, in a rural setting, Jesus asked the disciples, who do people say that I am? And, and they sort of give some general uh, answers, some general reaction, but then Jesus pins them down and he says, but who do you say that I am? And that's when Peter answers, you're the Mashach, you're the anointed one, the son of the living God. And it's in that moment that it appears that the disciples are starting to get it, that Jesus was the Messiah, but he was not what they were expecting. He was not the one that they had pictured or imagined. And so it's this really powerful moment. And then Jesus says 
something even more powerful. So earlier in Matthew chapter seven, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount told this story about the wise man building his house on the rock. You probably, if you were, uh, if you were raised in Sunday school, you, you sang that song, the wise man built his house upon the rock, the wise man built his house upon the rock and the foolish man, right? Built his house on the sand and the winds blew and came and the rains came and it blew off. But the one that who had built his house on the rock, it stood. And now Jesus himself says this declaration that Simon has made, that Peter has made, is a rock. And it's on that rock, the declaration that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus will build his church. And he says that all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And so just as God gave Abram the name Abraham when uh, when when he encounters God, Jesus now gives Simon a new name and he calls him Peter or Petros, the rock. And so that rock is the rock upon which Jesus will build his church. This is why this is one of our non-negotiables. You can't explain away Jesus as Messiah. You can't decide that Jesus is something else, that he's just a good teacher or a good moral example. Uh, you have to believe to be a part of the church. You have to believe that Jesus is the anointed one sent from God, that he is the Messiah. He is the son of the living God. And, and then there's this moment where he turns the disciples in verse 20 and he says, don't tell anybody, don't tell anybody. And he doesn't tell them because he's afraid. And I don't think he even tells them because he's afraid for them, although them signing on to this deal, them believing that Jesus was the Messiah, there's no question that it was a deadly venture for the disciples. This was a, a deadly moment for them. I think Jesus says, don't tell anybody is because it's not his time yet. And, and and over and over again in the Gospels, we see Jesus deferring this moment, deferring the thing that's coming next week as we read about the cross and, and the tomb. We see Jesus over and over again deferring this moment, not because he's afraid of it, not because he's afraid for his disciples, but because it's not time yet. And so he tells the disciples, don't tell anyone what you know. Now that you're on to it, now that you understand it, now that you're getting it, don't tell anybody yet. But now... Now where we live today in 2021, you know what it is? It's our responsibility to tell everyone. It's our responsibility to tell everyone this declaration of faith that Jesus is the son of the living God, that Jesus is the Messiah. And so that is the joy that we have as we approach Easter to tell everyone who Jesus is, that Jesus is the son of the living God, the, the anointed one who came not to not to bear a sword and conquer kingdoms, but came to die on a cross so that he could conquer our sin and so that heaven could come down to us where we are here and now. So let me pray for you today. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you came. Thank you for allowing the disciples to get it. And I pray, Jesus, that you would help us to get it in this moment, that we would understand that you are the one and that this is a non-negotiable, that we have to believe that you are the son of the living God, that you are the Messiah, the anointed one sent from God, and that we get the privilege of declaring that. And, and, and we have this moment in our culture, Jesus, over these next few days as we approach Easter, where we can say that with, with, with real freedom because people expect the church to talk about it in this moment. So I pray that you would help us to constantly, daily proclaim that you are the Messiah, the Son of God. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We'll see you Sunday, 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock this Palm Sunday. You won't want to miss. We're finishing our Jonah series. God bless you. We'll see you then.